thankful today for your blood of Calvary and for your resurrecting power that we feel here. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. It is, in fact, uh, very good to have all of you in the house of the Lord and all of you <clears throat> that are visiting and that we don't see regularly. We welcome you and want you to know that you are welcome to be a part of our church family. <clears throat> and we have been uh, working very diligently to uh, change all of this front to sort of remind uh, or visualize a little bit of Jerusalem. And it was a great, great drama that we did Friday, Saturday, and Saturday night. And I appreciate again all of those. And Wednesday we'll be kind of talking about some of that and praise reports. And I know there are several that have uh, spoken. And I know Brother Nick and Sister Bree will talk about uh, their involvement. They were scheduled to have a couple of speaking parts and, and because of all of this last minute couldn't and Daniel and uh, Sister Jen Hancock stepped in and amazing. They did a great, great job. So we had people that were ready to go. So praise the Lord. I appreciate uh, all of you and all of them. We are growing apostolic legacy and I'm going to ask a question that was a song that was sung during the drama and uh, I appreciated it and that was uh, do you know the man? Do you? Do you know the man? Do you? Do you? Do you? Do you know the man? Anybody heard that song this weekend? Do you know the man? They all did a great, great job. This is not a, a photo of that, but uh, when they were singing, we didn't, I, I couldn't find one, and uh, Sister Shauna was looking for me, but that's a photo. Do you know the man? That song was being sung, and I, uh, I, I really, uh, when I was listening again last night, third night, and heard it, and I heard it for years and uh, we uh, were involved in doing it many years ago and of course tweak it usually every year and depending on the set and what's going on but um, last night I was watching uh, again from the back and I saw the cast begin to ask that question and I, I wondered if really uh, today I would ask that question to all of us. Do you know the man? And in order to fully appreciate uh, that question, you have to recognize so many of the lines that were uh, written were a compilation from the different gospels, but many of them were written because of the book of Matthew. And Matthew uh, opens up his book to, uh, that lets us know it was written to Jewish believers. He says these words uh, in Matthew 1 and 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He 
begins to show us that in fact, Jesus had a human lineage and it came through the Jewish people. So there was a humanity part of who Jesus was. So while it was written to Jewish believers, it was to prove that Jesus was indeed a man. It was of course written after the ascension of Jesus and since there's no mention of the destruction of Jerusalem, we would say probably before 70 AD and yet he was trying to show the early church just that Jesus was in fact the Messiah, the Savior, the King that had been prophesied about in the Old Testament. Why you know that is because 16 times in the book of Matthew, he will use the Greek phrase, all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He identifies that this, this action, this deliverance, and I, I, I'm not gonna go through all the 16 times, but he's pointing to specific prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled. And then he actually quotes 93 times, almost 100 times, he quotes the Old Testament in his book. So we know that this would have been written specifically to Jewish believers because it focuses so much on the Torah and what was going on. And so I, I really want to turn your attention to Matthew, the 26th chapter, and read, uh, you really could read the 25th chapter because 26 starts in the first verse with the word and, and it came to pass that Jesus had finished these sayings that he said unto his disciples. And so we know that, that this was sort of a, a culmination of the word. You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover. So this narrative starts two days before Passover and the son of man is to be betrayed and crucified. Now Jesus tells this to his disciples. While he is talking about this, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders are meeting at the palace of the high priest, which was called Caiaphas. And that scene we depicted over on this area, the house of Caiaphas. And they consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. And notice what they said. We want to take him, we want to crucify him, but we know enough to know we don't want to make him a martyr. So what the Bible says in the fifth verse of Matthew, the 26th chapter, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. They did not want Jesus to be crucified or killed in two days. Guess what? They were strategizing the best way to do bad to Jesus and yet what they didn't realize is God had a plan that he was going to be the lamb and he was going to be crucified on Passover. Because what happens is Passover and then seven days of unleavened bread. So they were going to wait eight days, actually plus the two, ten 
days before they got him crucified. Now, that, that's through the fifth verse. And yet Jesus had told his disciples. And we know that he became the, the Passover lamb. In fact, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 5 and 7, purge out the old leaven. I read this last week as I was talking about communion, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Now, at the feast in the 27th chapter of the book of Matthew, if you flip forward, at the feast, the governor was wont to release the pe people a prisoner, but they would not. So in two days, they're going to be at Passover, and you remember the line where Pilate says, at this time, I get to release a prisoner. So what happened was, the Lord just quick-started all of these events so that he would be the one crucified on Passover and in honor of the feast, they would release a known prisoner that was terrible by the name of Barabbas. So, Matthew, the 26th chapter, to go back to the 26th chapter, what were the events that happened? Simon the leper, everybody say Simon the leper, holds a feast at his house. And he was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, the sixth verse, 26th chapter of Matthew. That's when a woman with an alabaster box came and showed, uh, poured that on his head. Great job that depicting that sense of wiping his feet, Sister Victoria. Great, great uh, acting, great uh, singing, all the line, all of that. So that whole scene takes place at the house of Simon the leper in the sixth and seventh verses. And then, you know, there's other things that go on in Matthew, the 26th chapter, that as you read this last chapter account, you know, that they, they are, are, are trying to figure out uh, that, you know, why did she spend that and et cetera, et cetera. And then the Lord takes and calls his disciples and says, go and find a place where we can celebrate the Passover. And so all of these events are coming to fruition and the Bible is very clear on that first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The, the disciples ask, you know, where, where should we go? And verse uh, 19, the Lord and the disciples, they make ready the Passover. And was evening was come, the day to celebrate Passover. He sat down with the twelve, and they did eat. And he said, one of you shall betray me. And you remember basically from uh, reading in the past, there was the question, who? Is it I? Is it I? And finally the Lord looks and Judas makes the statement and he says basically, Thou hast said. And what happens when Judas makes that kind of statement? Brother Joey played Judas. Judas gets up and leaves the Passover celebration. He has no doubt taken 
and participated in eating the lamb and eating the Passover and all of that because they were eating, verse 26 of this chapter, as they were eating, Jesus then stands up and he takes a piece of bread and he breaks it. Everybody say bread. Breaks the bread. Then he takes <coughs> um, blessed it and break it, gave it to his disciples and said these words, take, eat, this is my body. We talked about that last week. We are the body of the Lord, right? Our body is to be the temple of the Lord, right? And here we are. He said, take, eat, this is my body. Last week we gave a cup that was from Israel. We got it in Bethlehem, made of olive wood. And we have those for you today if you didn't get one last week. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them and he said, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. What he was saying is, this is my body. This is the blessing of the blood. The bread, he could have said, I am a handful of grain. He could have said, I am the bitter herbs. He could have said anything that he wanted, but he said, I am bread. And we know that that's significant because in order to make bread, bread of any kind, you have to take the grain and you have to uh, grind the grain and you have to sift the grain and uh, the winnowing and all of that, getting the husks off. And so it's a process. And then it's got to be mixed with something, oil or, or, or something, and then it's got to be made into bread. And we talked last week that it can't have leaven and leaven's a type of the sin. And yet when Paul wrote in Corinthians and we read it and he, in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians it's 10th chapter, he said, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ and the bread which we break? Is it not communion of the body of Christ? What are you saying? When we partook of communion last week, the bread represents the body of Christ. It represents the body, the church, and the cup represents the cup of blessing, the blood, the blood that was shed for the remission of our sins. And when Jesus stood and said, take, eat, and this is the cup, you can have a cup of blessing today. The blood that will cover your sins. The blood that will remit your sins. Oh, I am so blessed that I can be forgiven. That's why we said last week, take your cup, put it where you can look at it, take it, you can wash it, you, I don't care. But the point is that you look at it and realize, guess what? I've been blessed. I've had my sins washed away. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. He said this cup is the blessing of the blood of Jesus. David in the Old Testament 
recognize this. In Psalms 116, he says, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot, my lot. When you go to the New Testament in Revelation, it says, They shall drink the wine of the wrath of God, and it shall be poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. I would much rather drink the cup of blessing than the cup of the wrath of God because he is filling up another cup and it's all the wrongs, all the sin. You say, well, I didn't do it. Mine wasn't as bad. I'd rather be in this cup of blessing than in that cup. He said in John, the 18th chapter, as a matter of fact, he said when Jesus said to put up to whenever they go to the garden and they're fighting and, and Simon takes off his sword and you saw it enacted over here and wham, cuts off the ear of, of the uh, soldier and, and he takes that ear and he puts it up and he tells Simon, put up your sword. The cup which my father hath given me. The Jews didn't kill Jesus. They were too smart to do it on Passover. Pilate didn't kill Jesus. He was unrighteous and the Jews were unrighteous. But Jesus said, I'm doing this for one reason, so that my blood can be shed for the remission of sins and I can be the Passover lamb. That's why in Psalms, David said it like this, what shall I render unto the Lord for his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now and in the presence of all his people. In the 23rd Psalm, the one that we like to quote so much, he says, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies thou anointest my head with oil my oh I cup and I, I know I, 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 I'm not through but let, we're going to just stand for just a moment and if you didn't partake last week because we ran out it's our fault let's all stand I'm, a, I'm not quite done yet but I'm, I'm getting there but if you'd like to partake of communion they're going to go by and we're going to pray what are you talking about and, and we have uh, you know the juice uh, we have the cups from Bethlehem what are you doing I, they'll, they'll pass down the road. Just raise your hand if you would like to have one. I'm, I'm here to tell you whenever I, I realized when Jesus was instituting this communion service, he said this, he said this is my body. This is the blessing. Guess what? Judas was gone. He celebrated Passover but he didn't celebrate communion. The blessing, the blood, Jesus called him friend, but he missed the blessing. You can have all the rituals and miss the blessing of the blood. Oh, hallelujah. They're going right down the aisle. Hallelujah. What are you saying? In this hour, David said, my cup runs over. I'm so thankful for the cup 
I'm so thankful for the blessings of God. Hallelujah. Sing it. Yeah. 
praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm pushing through quickly. I'm sorry. I, I just, after we did this last week, I wanted those that we ran out, I wanted those to be able to partake that wanted to. And we do have these wooden cups that are there. They'll be at the uh, registration thing or wherever you, if you didn't get one yet, we have one available for you. And when you go back to this verse in Matthew, the 26th chapter, after they had had communion, after uh, when he said, this is my body. And then uh, he went through and we read uh, the Psalms and we read all of those verses. Now in the 32nd verse, he tells after having communion, he tells the disciples, after I am risen again, I am going to meet you in Galilee. Now he didn't say Jerusalem. He said Galilee because he said, he knew I'm going to be here showing myself strong for 40 days before I send you to Jerusalem. At the end of the 40 days, he sends them to Jerusalem for the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And then Peter, Simon Peter makes a brash, bold statement. You remember what that was? Though all men shall be offended because of thee, Yet will I never be offended. Simon was a fisherman. He was a tough guy. He was a man's man. And he looked Jesus in the eyes. He was the one that had called him down before. And Jesus had called him Satan. And he said, I will not be offended. You talk about willpower. This was the strength of of a man who was determined. Of course, we know what Jesus responded to Simon. He said, Simon, before morning, you're going to have betrayed me three times. Simon couldn't get that. He couldn't understand that. When you go ahead, the last, last part of this 26th chapter Jesus, they, they took him in the garden and you know, it cut off the ear and all of the things that happened in the garden and Judas and we went through all of that and I know this is Resurrection Sunday and they had come and all of that was illegal and I, you remember they were plotting. I don't know, if, probably no one here has ever felt like people were out to get them. or were being unrighteous toward them. But can you imagine how Jesus felt? The chief priests, the scribes, were unrighteously plotting to kill him. They weren't just, you know, we're going to make fun of him, nanny, nanny, boo-boo. It was real. Then they brought him they went and got him in the garden and Judas betrayed him. They brought him before the high priest and the high priest said, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if thou art the Christ. Everybody say Christ. Christ. The 
Son. Son of God. Jesus' response was, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, hereafter you shall see the Son of Man. Why didn't Jesus call himself the Son of God? He had told Simon in the 16th chapter, You're blessed because you know that I'm the Messiah, which would have been the Son of God. But now he identifies himself as the Son of Man. You know why? I believe it's because at this moment, he was letting them know, I'm going through this not as God. I'm going through it as a man. I feel what you've done to me. I know what you've said. I know how you've plotted. I know the unrighteousness that you are heaping on me. But I'm fixing to take it to the cross. And I'm going to transform it. Oh, that's why the same phrase, that same, if thou be the son of God, Jesus had heard that before, directly out of the mouth of Satan when he was in temptation. And the first temptation was, if thou be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. The next temptation, if thou be the son of God, jump off this temple. Right. Jesus didn't fall for it then, and he didn't fall for it with the high priest because he was basically saying, I'm not going through this as God. I'm going through this as a man. You read on in Matthew the 26th chapter in the 66th verse. What do you think? They answered and said, he is guilty. They spit in his face. They buffeted him. They hit him with the palms of their hands saying, prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? Brother Joe Costa acted that out with Jesus. Then we know what happened in the 69th chapter. Brother Shane did it beautifully. Damsel, a little girl, not even, we didn't bring the little girl in here, but a little damsel. I I imagine someone like Siobhan's age or 12, 13, 14 maybe, standing by a fire. Simon, this guy who said, I will not be offended. I've got my willpower and I will hang on. The damsel came to him and says, Did, weren't you with Jesus? And what did he do? He denied it. Said, I don't even know what you're talking about. Boy, that was unrighteous, wasn't it? Not only were the chief priests and scribes and Pharisees unrighteous, but his own disciples turned to unrighteousness. And they basically said, I don't know what you're doing. And of course, that's bad enough to deny that you know him. For those of you that are younger, I don't want to overwhelm you, but... 
He goes on the next time when they ask him, he now denies it with an oath. He basically says, I promise I am not. You ever had anybody promise you something and was lying through their teeth? Not us, but I'm talking about that's what happened in Jesus' time. And how did he take it? Liar, liar, liar. Pants on fire. I know, Simon, you. That wasn't how he acted that day. They go to the third time, and not only now he has denied it twice, once the second time with an oath, now he began to cuss. And thank you, Brother Shane, for not for doing that. I know it wasn't realistic, but you were supposed to let off a string of swearing and cussing and because that's what Simon did. You know, if I get louder and I bang my fist, then you'll believe me. Can you imagine how that felt to Jesus? The unrighteousness? I am watching a guy I have lived with for the last three and a half years. I have fed, I have, to, and he is so angry right now. He is saying everything he can about me. That was in his ears. He said, I have no, do not know the man. And then the rooster. And of course we know Jesus forgave all of that. It blows into the 27th chapter. The morning after they celebrated Passover in the evening, the chief priests and elders took counsel again how to put him to death. Now they're serious. They bound him. They brought him to Pontius Pilate and we saw it acted out. Pilate basically <clears throat> acted unrighteous. He tried to pretend he was righteous. His wife had told him. He tried to get him to release, thinking they would choose to release Jesus, who had basically done nothing over Barabbas, but they chose the murderer. And in the meantime, Judas, who is feeling bad for betraying him in the garden, has come and thrown back the 30 pieces of silver. And all of this was done so that prophecy in the Old Testament would be fulfilled. And they were so righteous that they wouldn't put it into the offering. They said, well, that money is the price of betrayal. We won't touch that. We'll give that to the poor that will buy a field of blood. Isn't it amazing how some people can feign righteousness in one hand and be righteous in the other? You know? And so, sorry, I, I didn't hit that. I should have hit that so you would see where I was talking about. It's in the 27th chapter when he said, I've sinned, and he cast the 30 pieces of silver in the temple, 
And they said, it's not lawful for us to put it in the treasury. And they took counsel and they bought the potter's field. And now, Pilate, now ask him a question. Art thou king of the Jews? And again, Jesus says, thou sayest. It's 27th chapter. When he was accused of the chief priests and elders and they were hurling insults. I want to tell you, the 26th and 27th chapters tells us that no matter how strong-willed you are, you won't be able to stand the attack unless you've been redeemed and have the presence of Christ living in you. Because I don't know that I could answer not a word. I don't know that I could just say whatever you say. The governor marveled. Jesus had said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake theirs of the kingdom of heaven blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake those are hard words to fill and boots to fill and go back to the 27th chapter and I'm winding it down and Pilate said, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called the Christ, the Son of God? And they said, let him be crucified. And all that was illegal. The governor said, why? What evil has he done? And Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing and that they were getting out of hand. And he took water, washed his hands, said, I'm innocent. But then he said, do what you want, which was the most goofy thing. A Roman ruler who was the governor would turn over justice to a bunch of religious people that they were conquered. Pilate was illegal in what he did. That moment, the Caesar would have said, don't let them tell you what to do. But he didn't want to rock the boat. And you say, well, then he was the one that was responsible. I'm, I'm here to tell you, Pilate didn't have the authority to kill him. The Jews didn't have the authority to kill him. He willingly went to Calvary. And he basically said, you do what you want to do. Their response was, his blood be on us and our children. He released Barabbas. They stripped him. They put on a crown of thorns. Why was that significant? Because the crown of thorns, thorns represented the original curse in Genesis, the third chapter, when the Lord cursed the earth for Adam's sake. And he said, it's going to bring forth thorns. Jesus took that curse and the blood was streaming we realized they mocked him through all of this and I, I could go on and on and on this 27th chapter but it ends up that what he wrote on the top of the cross was this is Jesus king of the Jews the two thieves 
Guess what they questioned him about? If thou be the son of God. Jump down. Right now I'm going through this not as the son of God. I'm going through this as a man. I am taking all of this pain because I am letting all of humanity's unrighteousness wrongs oh you say I've been I've been hurt I'm letting all of that come to me <clears throat> and then in the 50th verse he cried and the veil was rent from top to bottom like God tore it the earthquake the rocks rent the graves were open and a centurion who was standing off, not with the Jews, not with the chief priests, not with all of those that are done unrighteous, but just a bystander. And that was what we were hoping would happen Friday and Saturday and Saturday night, that just a bystander would come in and feel something. And that's what this Roman centurion saw the earthquake, saw the rocks torn. And you know what he says? Truly, this is a great guy. The question that had been asked by so many people in that 48-hour period that had been asked by the Lucifer himself during the temptation, a Roman centurion who had many gods says, truly, this is the son of The Jews that were around that were so, they, they saw all of that, and yet they were so angry. Do you know what the very next thing they did? They beat it to Pilate's house and said, Pilate, we think that his disciples are going to try to pull a fast one, and they're going to try to open this grave up, and they're going to try to get out his dead body and, I don't know, parade it around town. Because we remember one time when he said, after three days I'll rise again. They had heard what he had said. And yet they didn't believe. And they thought that their unrighteousness could stop it. But you saw the last scene. <laughs> Bible says it like this. Pilate told him, go ahead, put soldiers, make this, put a stone, seal it up, set a watch. But on Sunday morning, this morning, Easter morning, the earth did quake.
And the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, rolled back the stone from the door. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, the next chapter, Fear not ye, I know whom you seek, Jesus, which was crucified, but he is not here. He is risen, and he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. I know. What do you say, Pastor? You've gone through this. We've had a drama. But let me tell you something. You can experience resurrection power today. You can experience the power that got Jesus out of the grave.